0: Well, if you were here last week, um, we commissioned you to be missionaries. There were you were all lined up out front here, and you were you were um, you were called and prayed over to go to the city, just like just like they did in the days of Nehemiah. And uh, I hope your your first missions trip this week—maybe it's in your first—but uh, I hope your missions trip this week to the city was was fruitful, and that God. Blessed it mightily. You know, Jesus sent out his disciples long ago, and, and we find this in Luke chapter 10. Uh, we see how Jesus commissioned his, for his 72 of his followers. And I want to just take a minute in light of being commissioned into this gospel ministry, what it means to, to do that and how to do that. And I didn't have much time to explain that. So I want to transition from last week being called and sent out as missionaries to knowing how to do that this week. And then we're going to actually jump back into Nehemiah chapter 12 and, uh, and, and see what our response should be. But if you have your Bibles, you can look at Luke chapter 10. And I want to give you um, uh, eight different um, ways to, to follow the strategy of Jesus for discipleship, And I believe and have seen this work in my own life. I've seen this work in other parts around the world, in Africa. And I, I've seen this uh, work, uh, first and foremost, as we, we just follow what Jesus says. So Luke chapter 10, and let me read it to you. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of them, two by two. It is so crucial that as you go out and share the good news and make disciples of others, that you have a partner. You need another person to hold you accountable, to be a, a second witness. It's just, it's really important. It says, into every town and place where he himself was about to go, everywhere we go, Jesus is already working. He's already doing great things. He's going to be coming and and bring forth a harvest. This is why verse 2 says, And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. The first thing we need to do as far as being missionaries to our city is we need to believe that there is a harvest. Do you actually believe that there are people who, who want and need Jesus in our city? I love it. We have to believe this. Jesus declares this the harvest is plentiful. And it's hard in Canada, but I still believe that there's a plentiful harvest. And so we need to do that first. We need to believe. Otherwise, you wouldn't go. If you're like, oh, it's it's just useless. Second of all, we need to pray. We need to pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord. Literally beg the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers. And maybe, in a sense, you are actually asking God to send you as well. So you, you pray. First of all, you believe. Second of all, you pray. And then the third is that you, sh- you should expect opposition. Look what it says. Jesus says this. I really think it's outrageous. Verse 3, it says, Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Now, you've heard that before, but have you, have you really thought deeply about this? How could Jesus, who in John 10 claims to be the good shepherd, actually send lambs among wolves. I mean, you think about it. If you have all these precious little lambs, you ever seen those? I mean, when we were in Africa, we saw these little baby lambs. They were so precious. And then you see this big pack of wolves, and you're like, here you go. That's not really great shepherding in my viewpoint. But as Neil Cole reminds us, unless the shepherd is going to go with them. And this is what it says in verse 1, right? Jesus is coming too. So we go with God's protection, with his, with his help, but we need to realize we expect opposition. That's part, of, that's part of following Jesus. That's part of the gospel ministry. Fourthly, don't worry about provision. Don't get distracted. Look what it says in verse 4. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. Don't get distracted. God's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. So that's the, the, the fourth the fourth. Um, Part of the, the discipleship strategy of Jesus. And then fifth is, and this is so, this is missed. Go to the person of peace in the community that will give you access for the gospel. This is exactly what we read in verses five and six. Whatever house you enter, first say peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. You need to be praying for people who will give you access to the gospel? They might, they might get saved themselves. They might not. And as I look around, I, I've heard of stories. I know um, the reads here from Heritage, and they've been praying for some really strategic people of influence in Hesper that would open up the gospel, right? So you, we need to find the person of peace who will allow us to have receptivity for the gospel, have relational connections, and, and, and that's very important to find that person. God will show you to that person, lead you to that person. The sixth is that we serve and be served over time. Look, you're going to like this. You're going to like this, verses 8 and 9. It says, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Actually, verse 7 says, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the labor deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. I love it. Gospel ministry includes eating. Don't you like that? I love to eat. That's part of the gospel ministry. But you're actually letting them serve you as you serve them. You try to find the needs of others. You try to meet them. But it has to be a reciprocal relationship, one based on grace, where you bless one another. And so, serve and be served over time. Seventh, this is very important. Verse 9 says, Heal the sick in it, which is meeting the needs of others. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. It's very important you actually get to Jesus. You actually get to explain the gospel to them. If you just do good works without good news, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. You have to get to the good news. People like good news. Did you realize that? You have the best news that we could ever give anybody. That Jesus... Died, rose again from the grave, has reconciled us to God, and could reconcile us to one another. So we must get to proclaiming Jesus in his kingdom. And then lastly, we find this eighth eighth strategy, this eighth important way of the discipleship strategy of Jesus. And that is going back to verse 7. It says, and remain in the same house. Stay and disciple as long as the community will have you. We, door-to-door evangelism is great, but it has to go beyond this door-to-door evangelism. You need to actually stay with those people and do follow-up. You need to, to, to continue to disciple them, to have a long view, have a long relationship with people. And so as I thought about it this week, I had to just share these, these, these important truths that I've learned in practice about when I send you out into missionaries. And notice what happens. This, Jesus just sent out these, these 72, and look in verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And so they came back with great thankfulness, great joy. Today we're going to give a report back to how maybe God, this past week, as you were commissioned, there's accountability towards this, that you would, you would declare what God has done. That's why in our small groups and with your leaders, you should come back and say, hey, they asked this question. I didn't quite understand it. This is where you can really learn and grow. This is how the disciples did it with Jesus. They came back and said, this happened. We didn't know what to do. Boy, do you think their, their ears are attuned to learning? Absolutely, absolutely. And so it's this, this attitude that we must have of, of coming back to the Lord and thanking him for us being sent out by him to do his ministry. This is actually the same attitude that we find way back in Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 12. Let's go back to Nehemiah chapter 12. And we're going to learn today, and we're actually, as we are really trying to work hard and not just being hearers of God's word, but actually doers, we're going to give you an opportunity to take action today, once again, with God's word. And that's going to be able to give thanks. In Nehemiah chapter 12, verses 1-26, through 26, we find here that the people were giving thanks. And this is a constant theme throughout the whole Bible. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, to give thanks in every circumstance, for it is the will of God. This is the will of God that we give thanks. So please stay with me for the reading of God's word. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to see how, how serving the Lord, how being on call to the city produces great thanks, produces great joy. Starting in verse 1 of Nehemiah chapter 12. You can Google this if you haven't found it so far. These are the priests and the Levites who came up with Zerubbabel. I love that name to say it. The seed of Babylon. He's been rescued from Babylon. The son of Sheatiel... And Jeshua, Serayah, Jeremiah, Ezra, Amariah, Maluk, Hatush, Shakaniah, Reum, Meremoth, Idu, Ginathoi, Abijah, Mimijem, Medaya, Bilgah, Shammahiah, Jehoiarib, Jedidiah, Salu, Amok, Hilkiah, Jedidiah. These were the chiefs of the priests of their brothers in the days of Jeshua. And the Levites: Jeshua, Benui. Cadmiel, Cherbiah, Judah, and Madaniah, who with his brothers was in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. And Bakubiah and Unni and their brothers stood opposite them in the service. Notice that. That's going to be repeated later. And Jeshua was the father of Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim the father of Elishab, and Elisha the father of Joida, and Joida the father of Jonathan. I better not get that name right. Wrong, I should say. (laughs) And Jonathan the father of Jeduah. And the, in the days of Jehoiakim were priests, heads of fathers' houses of Seraya, Merariya, of Jeremiah, Hananiah, of Ezra, Meshulam, of Amariah, Jehonanan, of Mal, Maluchi, Jonathan, of Shebaniah, Joseph, of Harim, Adnah, of Marioth, Helka, Edu, of Edu, Zechariah, of Ginathon, Meshulam, of Abijah, Zikre, of Minimim, of Modiah, Hilti, of Bilgah, Shemua, of Shemamiah, Jehonanathan, of Jehorib, Batani, of Jedidiah, Uzziah, of Saleh, Kele, of Amok, Eber, of Hilkiah, Ashbibiah, of Jedidiah, and Nathanael. In the days of Elishab, Joyodah, and Jonan, and Jedua, and the Levites recorded as the heads of the fathers' houses, so too were the priests in the reign of Darius, the Persian, and as for the sons and their heads of the fathers' houses were written in the book of the Chronicles until the days of Jonah, and the son of Elishab. And the chiefs of the priests, Hashabiah, Sherubiah, and Jeshua, the son of Kadmiel, with their brothers, stood opposite them to praise and to give thanks according to the commandment of David, the man of God, watch by watch. Madaniah. Bacubiah, Obadiah, Meshulam, Talmum, and Akub were gatekeepers standing guard at the storehouses of the gates, just like our front-line our front ministry. And these were in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Jeshua, son of Josedek, in the days of Nehemiah, the governor, and of Ezra, the priest, and the scribe. Notice, though, all these people are listed because they're recognized by God as serving the Lord and giving thanks to God. Serving, giving thanks is crucial and is recognized by God. You may be seated. A couple of comments. First off, in verses 1 through 9, we see the first wave of, of those who've come back from exile when they were first put in exile in Babylon, and then Persia took over. And so we see the list of, of really some important names. We have, we have Zerubbabel, we have um, Ezra, we have uh, these, other, these other priests that came and they served God's people and they're remembered. What an important thing to remember those who've been in our past, who have, who have served the Lord and done so with diligence and with thankfulness to God. However, it's verse 24 that I really want us to focus in on today and actually take, take application In practice today, it says, And the chiefs of the Levites, Hashabiah, Sherebiah, and Jeshua, the son of Camiel, with their brothers who stood opposite to them, to praise and to give thanks according to the commandment of David, the man of God, watch by watch. So I want you to picture this. You can picture the people on one side were, were, were yelling out thanks to God, and then on the other side, these the brothers, other brothers and other family members were actually giving praise to God. They were giving thanks to God. And so those caught in the middle were just being bombarded with thanks. Now, we're going to give thanks. Are you allowed to give thanks other than in October? Right? Can you have, like, can you have Thanksgiving Sunday other than just uh, in October? Yes? Okay. Today we're going to do this. We're actually going to do this. Now, there's 50 names Uh, And 50 testimonies that are listed. Some are, are, um, are mentioned a few times. They're kind of expanding on this. But I counted around 50 names in this whole text. Which meant that every individual listed was to call forth praise. And so that's what we're going to do. We need to remember that being God is not a thankless job. We are to always thank Him, aren't we? We are to always thank Him.